What is up, everybody? It is JT Sports, and back to you guys with episode four of the JT Sports podcast. In this episode, I'm going to be previewing and giving my predictions for every single division in the NFL, the NFC East, NFC South, AFC North, AFC West, every single division in the NFL. Now, if you guys are listening to this on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, make sure that you guys go ahead and share this podcast with your friends, family members, maybe on your Twitter, on your Facebook, whoever you work with, whoever your friends are, make sure to go ahead and spread the word of the JT Sports Podcast. And also, importantly, make sure to leave a five-star review on the podcast, comment your thoughts, and I hope you enjoy the show. So the first division that I'm going to start with is the NFC East. Now, the NFC East last season was a division that wasn't as good as I expected it to be going into the 2019 NFL season. Now, the Philadelphia Eagles ended up winning the division with a 9-7 record. The Dallas Cowboys were the runners-up with an 8-8 record. Then you had the New York Giants at 4-12 and the Washington Redskins at 3-13. Now, I think the NFC East is going to be a lot better compared to what it was last season because you got to look. Last season, the Philadelphia Eagles, like, they really got banged up. I mean, offensively, the wide receiving core was completely depleted. Like, at the end of the 2020 season for the Eagles going into the playoffs, their best wide receiver was probably Greg Ward Jr. Then the offensive line also was battling some injuries as well. So, with the Philadelphia Eagles staying healthy and going into this season, this, in my opinion, is one of the more talented teams, not only in the NFC, but in the NFL, I mean, this wide receiving core is loaded. I mean, you pick up Jalen Rager in this past year's NFL draft. You also got John Hightower out of Boise State. So you got two rookie wide receivers that are really fast that could make an impact right away for the Philadelphia Eagles. Then you also pick up Marquise Goodwin and uh, in the offseason from the 49ers. So, I mean, when you look at this wide receiving core, then you look at the fact that they still have Zach Ertz, one of the best tight ends in the NFL. And it's off the line if it stays fully healthy with the addition of bringing back Jason Peters, who's going to be playing guard this year. And the defense brings in Darius Slay, who is still a top 10 cornerback in the NFL. I mean, this Philadelphia Eagles team is going to be really scary this year. They could make a lot of noise. And I think they are a dark horse Super Bowl contender. Now, you got the Dallas Cowboys. Now, the Dallas Cowboys really underachieved last year. And I mean, I think saying that the Dallas Cowboys underachieved is probably a understatement. I mean, they did more than just underachieve. Like, they just disappointed. Like, I felt the Dallas Cowboys were going to go 12-4 and make it to the NFC Championship game. And they didn't even come close to that. They didn't even make it to the playoffs. And a big reason because of that was because... They were not good against playoff teams. Like, you go back and you watch that Thanksgiving game against the Buffalo Bills. That should tell you everything that you need to know. Now, the Dallas Cowboys going into 2019 were one of the more talented teams in the NFL. Like we saw last season with the Cleveland Browns, doesn't matter how much talent you have if you don't have a good coach. So now, the Dallas Cowboys bring in Mike McCarthy, the former Super Bowl winning head coach for the Green Bay Packers. And Mike McCarthy is coming back into the NFL after taking the season off reevaluating himself, looking at himself in the mirror, drawing up new plays. So with Mike McCarthy now with the Dallas Cowboys, I'm really interested to see what he's going to bring with the Dallas Cowboys. And more importantly, 
what about Mike McCarthy has changed? Because Mike McCarthy is still a pretty okay coach. He's not one of the best coaches in the NFL, but I think he's above average. The thing that got Mike McCarthy fired from being the head coach of the Packers was the fact that he got too dependent on Aaron Rodgers. So, also, his offense lacked anything that was really creative. It was basically too old school. So now you look at Mike McCarthy. Hopefully he comes in with some new plays, some new creativity, some of that fits the modern-day NFL offensive playbook. And he has a pretty good offense to work with. I mean, you got one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. You got Dak Prescott, who is one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL, who's going to be playing under the franchise tag, who is probably going to have one of his best seasons of his career because he has something to prove. Not only does he want to prove that he deserves to be one of the highest-paid, if not the highest-paid quarterback in the NFL, but he wants to prove to the Dallas Cowboys that he is the solution long term and that he is a lead quarterback you also pick up cd lamb in this past in this past year's nfl draft who nobody really expected to fall to the dallas cowboys at that point of the draft so you pick up cd lamb you play you play someone for already good receiving core i mean you got michael gallup who was really solid last year and you got amari cooper as well so i mean the wide receiving core is one of the best receiving cores in the NFL. You got one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. You got one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL, top 14. So, I mean, this offense is absolutely stacked. Then you also bring back Kellen Moore as your offensive coordinator. I like Kellen Moore a lot. In his first year, he got a lot out of Dak Prescott. That offense was really efficient. Then you also got Ezekiel Elliott. So, really, it all comes down to Kenny's offense with Mike McCarthy and Kellen Moore as the OC make the big plays when it matters the most because that's what really kept the Dallas Cowboys offensively from being as good as what they should have been because they were on they on paper they look good when you look at the stats they had a really great offense but the thing that killed the Dallas Cowboys and the big reason why they didn't make it to the playoffs was because and those big plays on those big third down and Red zone situations with the game on the line. The offense for the Dallas Cowboys came up short a lot of those times. A good example of that is against the New England Patriots. Dallas got inside the red zone. They couldn't really score. Didn't really have a lot of big clutch plays in those games. So another thing about the Dallas Cowboys is their defense. Now I have a lot of question marks about their secondary. Now, I know they lost Byron Jones a free agency. And you pick up some really solid players in the NFL draft. You pick up Trayvon Diggs out of Alabama, who they really wanted a lot. They're really surprised that he even fell to them in the second round. They were probably going to end up taking them in the first round of the NFL draft if CeeDee Lamb wasn't available. Now, I wasn't really high on Trayvon Diggs, but I feel Trayvon Diggs has a lot of similarities to Byron Jones. So I think that Trayvon Diggs is in the right place with the Dallas Cowboys. So the secondary for the Dallas Cowboys is what concerns me. But overall, this is a Dallas Cowboys team that has potential to win this division. Now you got the New York Giants and you got the Washington Redskins. Now, New York Giants bring in a new head coach. You bring in Jason Garrett as your offensive coordinator. And you got Daniel Jones at quarterback, who showed a lot of promise his rookie season. He proved a lot of people wrong, which I say that Daniel Jones is going to be a lot better than what a lot of people give him credit for, and he lived up to that. 
So with Jason Garrett, Jason Garrett, a lot of people seem to forget. And I said this on my YouTube channel. For those of you guys who aren't subscribed, go ahead and subscribe. It is JT Sports on YouTube. Jason Garrett used to be one of the best offensive coordinators and one of the best offensive minds in the NFL when he was the offensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys before he got promoted to being their head coach. So now you pair him up with Daniel Jones. You got a pretty good wide receiving core. You got Darius Slayton. You got Golden Tate. You got Evan Ingram for the few games that he's able to stay healthy. You got Saquon Barkley, one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. Now, one of the best halfbacks in the NFL. Now, when you look at the offensive line, this offensive line is a big question mark. How good and how improved is this offensive line going to be compared to what it was in 2019? Now, defensively, I'm not expecting the New York Giants to have a lot on defense, and I'm not expecting this defense to be that good. If we're being honest, I think the New York Giants probably could end up having the worst defense in the NFL this season, especially with DeAndre Baker's status with the New York Giants up in air, and how many games will he potentially be suspended if he does face any discipline. So I don't really know how good this New York Giants defense is going to be, but if I had to lay some expectations... I don't really think they're going to be all that great. Now, the Washington Redskins, they bring in Ron Rivera, who replaces Jay Gruden, and he has a pretty young roster. You got Dwayne Haskins at quarterback, who a lot of people are quick to write off, but I think give Dwayne Haskins a chance. You got Terry McLaurin, who is the highest graded rookie wide receiver according to Pro Football Focus, and you got one of the best defensive lines in the NFL. I mean, you got... Payne, you got Jonathan Allen, you pick up Chase Young with the second overall pick of this year's draft, you got Matt Iadonis, I mean, you got Ryan Kerrigan, the secondary isn't too bad, you still got Landon Collins back there, so I mean, this is a Washington Redskins defense that should carry this team, and I think offensively, if you look back at what Ron Rivera's philosophy is on offense it hasn't really been throw the football that much Ron Rivera wants to run the football he has a team to do that he has Adrian Peterson he has Darius guys coming off an injury he has Bryce Love so he has a really talented group of halfbacks so this team fits Ron Rivera's coaching style so the team that I'm going to take to win in this division I'm taking the Philadelphia Eagles I think the Philadelphia Eagles are going to be the first team in this division to win this division in back-to-back years in a very long time. I think they are the best team. They got the best coaching staff, and they don't really have a lot of holes. I think their only hole is really their linebacker crop, really. So the Washington Redskins are a sleeper. The Dallas Cowboys, I don't think they win the division, but I do think they do make it to the playoffs this season with Mike McCarthy. So I think that the Philadelphia Eagles win the division. The Dallas Cowboys are going to be runner-up. And the Washington Redskins are going to be a dark horse. They're going to be a team that you can't sleep on. I think the Washington Redskins will be a lot better than what a lot of people think. And I'm not really expecting a lot from the New York Giants. I think with Joe Judge in his first year, this is going to be a rebuilding year for the New York Giants. Let's move on to the NFC West. Now, the NFC West last year was really competitive. You got the 49ers who had a record of 13-3. They went to the Super Bowl, lost to the Kansas City Chiefs. You got the Seattle Seahawks, who weren't that far away from the 49ers. They finished second. You got the LA Rams, who didn't make it to the playoffs, but they did have a record of above 500. They were 9 7. And you got the Arizona Cardinals, who were really competitive last year against some of the better teams in the NFL. I know they have a record of 5 10 1. You may look at that and be like, oh, JT, the Arizona Cardinals weren't all that great. 
But their record doesn't show how competitive the Arizona Cardinals were last season. So going into this year, this may be the toughest division in the NFL. You got the 49ers, who the 49ers, a lot of people are going to say, aren't as good as what they were last season because they lost a lot of players. So I would like to disagree with that statement. The San Francisco 49ers lost a lot of good players, but they replaced them with players just as good or younger and cheaper contracts. Like, for example, they lost Joe Staley to retirement. Who do they bring in to replace Joe Staley? They bring in offensive tackle from the Washington Redskins, Trent Williams. They lose Emmanuel Sanders in free agency who signed with the New Orleans Saints, and they drafted Brendan Ayuk out of Arizona State in this past year's NFL draft. Then they trade away DeForest Buckner to the Indianapolis Colts. And who do they draft to replace him? Javon Kinlaw, one of the best defensive linemen and one of the best prospects from this past year's draft. So you can make the argument and say that the 49ers lost talent, but you can also say that they brought in talent just as good or better. So the 49ers, in my opinion, are still the team to beat not only in this division, but in the NFC conference in general, because I think they are the best team in the NFC. They have the best coach and staff. They have the best roster. Then you got Seattle. The Seattle Seahawks are not too far away from the San Francisco 49ers. The thing with Seattle, as it has been for the last three seasons, has been how good is the offensive line going to be? Now, Seattle brought in a lot of offensive linemen this offseason. So it's going to be really interesting to see who's going to end up being the starters there on that offensive line for Seattle and how approved that offensive line going to be. Another thing is that Seattle got banged up in the last stretch of the NFL season. I mean, you lost Chris Carson. You lost Rashad Penny. So you lost two of your star halfbacks. You got to bring in Marshawn Lynch, who I still want the Seattle Seahawks to bring back. And a lot of players in the Seattle Seahawks want the Seattle Seahawks to bring back Marshawn Lynch as well because he's good inside that locker room. And the defense for Seattle was pretty solid. So this year, I think the defense should still be as good as what they were last season. And in the offense, I mean, the receiving core could be a lot better. Now, you got DK Metcalf, who had a really good rookie season. If he keeps on improving at the rate that he did last season, it seems like he got better every single week. If he keeps up that improvement this offseason, DK Metcalf could be a monster in 2020. Then you got Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett may be tied with T.Y. Hilton for the title of the most underrated wide receiver in the NFL. So when you look at the Seattle Seahawks, they're not too far away from the San Francisco 49ers. Now you got the Los Angeles Rams and you got the Arizona Cardinals. Now when you look at the Los Angeles Rams, this is a team that lost a lot because they were in cap hell this offseason. They had to get rid of a lot of players. They had to rework some things. And the biggest loss of this offseason, the biggest shocking move in my opinion was when they decided to part ways with Todd Gurley. Now, a big reason for the Los Angeles Rams not making it to the playoffs last year was because the offensive line got banged up, but not only just the offensive line being injured, the fact that they couldn't really run the football all that effectively. And when you look at how this Los Angeles Rams offense is built, it's built on a lot of motion and a lot of play action. And if you can't get the run game going, you can't get that play action and pass game going which meant that without a running game, 
Jared Goff had the ball in his hands a lot more than what the Rams would normally like. Now, Jared Goff is a really nice quarterback. He's pretty solid. You can win a Super Bowl with Jared Goff. But Jared Goff isn't a quarterback that can carry your team week in and week out. He's a quarterback that can carry you to some victory some weeks, but he can't really do it on a consistent basis. Not on the Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson kind of level. Now, when you look at the Rams, they bring in Cam Akers. That was pretty much their biggest acquisition this offseason. Now, Cam Akers is going to be in a halfback battle with the current halfback that they have on the roster. I think that, without a doubt, he should end up winning that starting RB1 spot, but you still got Daryl Henderson. You still got Malcolm Brown there. So he still has to face some pretty stiff competition for that starting halfback spot. And they're pretty much going to start the season out on halfback by committee, and eventually they're just going to go by the time we get to week 10 or week 11 of the NFL season, they're just going to go with the halfback who has the hot hand at that point. So the Rams, I'm not saying they're not going to be good, but they're a really puzzling team. I also don't really know how good they're going to be defensively. So for the Los Angeles Rams, this is a team that can go either way. They could be really good, make the playoffs, or they could end up missing the playoffs once again with a record of 8-8 eight and eight or 7-9. and nine. Then you got the Arizona Cardinals. Now the Arizona Cardinals are one of the most improved teams coming into this upcoming NFL season. Now, you basically robbed the Houston Texans in a trade for DeAndre Hopkins, and really all you gave up was a mid-round draft selection and David Johnson, who has one of the worst contracts in the NFL and can't stay healthy. So you bring in DeAndre Hopkins, that's going to be a big acquisition because DeAndre Hopkins is one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, and one thing that the Arizona Cardinals didn't really have last season was a wide receiver that could consistently get open and win those one-on-one matchups for those 50 balls and inside the red zone. Well, DeAndre Hopkins is one of the best at those two things, so he, without a doubt, is going to majorly improve this Arizona Cardinals offense. Then you got Kenyon Drake, who Kenyon Drake was a really good fit for the Arizona Cardinals last year because he fit that offense. He didn't really quite fit well in Miami because the way their offense is built Ken Drake was more suited for a spread scheme or a team that ran a lot of things out the shotgun or ran a lot of pistol formations, and that's what the Arizona Cardinals do. That's why he fitted so well. That's why he had the few great games that he had after he got traded to Arizona. Then you look at Kyler Murray. A lot of people have Kyler Murray penciled in as their MVP favorite, and a lot of people think that he could have a Lamar Jackson kind of season. And... I agree with that. It just all depends on the offensive line. Now, the offensive line is my biggest concern about the Arizona Cardinals. Because, listen, the Arizona Cardinals, I think, even with the bad offensive line, they could make the playoffs this season, but they won't make it far. Now, if this Arizona Cardinals offensive line, hopefully it is, is better than what it was last season, then I think this Arizona Cardinals team could be a sleeper pick to win this division. And it may sound crazy, Because although you may think that the Seattle Seahawks and the 49ers are better than them, they competed in some very close games with both of those teams. I actually think they stole the game from Seattle last year. I don't know. I'll have to go check that. But I do think that they did win a game against the Seattle Seahawks last season, if I'm not mistaken. But rather than right or wrong, I know that they played the Seattle Seahawks fairly close. And they played some very close games against the 49ers. So... 
My prediction for the team that's going to end up winning the NFC West is going to be the 49ers. I think the 49ers are the best team in this division. They have the best coaching staff. They have the most complete roster. I mean, it's nowhere on this 49ers roster that you can look at and say they have significant hole or a position that is at risk or has a question mark behind it. They have a complete roster, stacked at every position, have a lot of depth, a lot of depth at halfback, even though we don't know what's going to happen with Raheem Mostert, have a lot of depth at wide receiver, a lot of young wide receivers, and their defense is still really good. And the Seattle Seahawks, they also have a good chance of winning this division, but I don't really know how quite much I trust Seattle's ability to get after the quarterback because they only had 28 sacks last year. They were one of the worst teams in the NFL at getting pressures on the quarterback. And also, I still don't really know how good Seattle's offensive line is going to be. And I know every Seattle Seahawks fan is going to be like, oh, offensive line got better, offensive line got better. But Seahawks fans have been saying that their offensive line got better for the last three years. So I got to wait and see how good that offensive line is going to be. Then, like I said, the Arizona Cardinals are a sleeper pick. And the Rams could also surprise a lot of people as well, which is why the NFC West is probably the toughest division in the NFL going into this season. The NFC North division is a division I don't think is all that great, but it's really interesting to watch. You got the Green Bay Packers who won the division, 13-3 record. They got destroyed by the 49ers in the NFC Conference Championship game. Then you got the Minnesota Vikings who lost to the 49ers in the divisional round. They lost a lot. A lot. They probably lost more than any other team in the NFL this offseason. You got the Chicago Bears who went 8-8. Eight and eight. Basically, their big pickup is probably picking up Nick Foles in the trade with the Jacksonville Jaguars to give Mitch Trubisky some competition at quarterback. Then you got the Detroit Lions who went 3-12-1, who, to be fair, they were pretty good when they had Matthew Stafford. If Matthew Stafford would have stayed healthy, he would have been an MVP candidate, and it really would have been interesting to see what Detroit's record would have been if he never would have got injured. So let's start with the Green Bay Packers. Now, the Green Bay Packers, I don't really think they lost all that much. I think that they lost Brian Bulaga, and they lost... Blake Martinez. Now, Brian Bulaga was good, but he was really inconsistent, in my opinion, for the Green Bay Packers last year. Then you lose Blake Martinez, but you replace him with Christian Kirksey, which I believe is an upgrade. Christian Kirksey, I think, is a really solid linebacker. I think he's an upgrade from Blake Martinez because Blake Martinez is a okay linebacker. Now, if he was playing back in the 90s or the early 2000s, he would be one of the best linebackers in the NFL. But Blake Martinez is only an average linebacker because he's not great in pass coverage. He's great against the run. He's a great tackler and everything. But against pass coverage, he's one of the worst pass coverage middle linebackers or pass coverage linebackers in the NFL. And I felt like the New York Giants overpaid for him. So you replace him with Christian Kirksey, who if Christian Kirksey is able to stay healthy, I think he'll be a really good addition because he's really good in coverage. 
He's also a very solid tackler. I think he's a Pro Bowl caliber player if he's able to stay fully healthy. Now, the biggest knock on the Green Bay Packers this season has been they don't have all that great of a wide receiving core, and that's why they're not going to be great. And I think that's a little bit ridiculous to say that because you don't have to have a star-studded group of wide receivers to make it to the Super Bowl or win the Super Bowl. Look at the San Francisco 49ers, for example. The best receiver was probably Emmanuel Sanders. And they also had George Kittle. But if we, if you want to go further than that, go back and look at the Carolina Panthers from 2015. Their best receiver was who? Ted Ginn Jr. and Greg Olson? That's pretty much it. So the narrative that people have to have a great wide receiver to win the Super Bowl isn't really all that big of a difference you don't have to have a great group of wide receivers to win a Super Bowl does it help yes but you don't have to have a star-studded group the Green Bay Packers have enough weapons at the wide receiver position for Aaron Rodgers to still be successful you got Devontae Adams who a lot of Green Bay Packers never talk about for some reason they say we got no receivers but you got Devontae Adams who is a top three wide receiver top five wide receiver in the NFL then you got some young wide receivers. You got Adam Lazard. You got Scantling there. You got Equinomia St. Brown. So, I mean, they have some young guys at the wide receiver position that I think should be able to step up and become that number two option behind Devontae Adams. Now, the tight end position, you got Jay Sternberger, who is the guy who should look to step up. So, I mean, the offensive line is a little bit in question. But overall, I think the Green Bay Packers have a really solid team. Now you look at the Minnesota Vikings. Boy, they lost a lot. Everson Griffin, a free agent, got rid of Trey Waynes, got rid of Xavier Rose. Dalvin Cook may sit out to start the season. Traded Stephon Diggs to the Buffalo Bills. Now you bring in Jeff Gladney, you bring in Justin Jefferson, but those guys are rookies. We don't really know how good those guys are going to be yet because we haven't seen them play an NFL game yet. Now, the Minnesota Vikings still have a pretty solid roster, but I think it's a little bit crazy to say that the Minnesota Vikings did not lose a lot of talent because they lost a lot of key places last year in the offseason. Now, you got the Chicago Bears. Now, a lot of Bears fans were upset with me because I still feel like the Bears aren't really that much of a playoff team because their offensive line is a question mark. I know their defense is going to be great. And you got Nick Foles at quarterback, but I don't think he's going to start right away for the Chicago Bears. I still think that with the ongoing coronavirus and the pandemic that's going on, the Chicago Bears are still going to start Mitch Trubisky week one. And even if Nick Foles is the better quarterback than Mitch Trubisky, like we all think, I don't think the Chicago Bears are going to be quick to move on from Mr. Trubisky just because they picked up Nick Foles. You guys got to think, the Chicago Bears spent a first-round pick on Mr. Trubisky. They traded up to get this guy over Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. So if you think that they're easily just going to ride off Mr. Trubisky and they're just going to go ahead and bench him and start Nick Foles without giving him a chance to start a few games at the start of the regular season, I think you got to go back and rethink that. Because, think about it, if you are the general manager for the Chicago Bears, and you know that you made a mistake in drafting Mr. Trubisky, 
And you still want to see if Mitch Trubisky has what it takes to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. Are you just going to say, you know what? We're not even going to give you a chance. We've seen enough out of you the last couple of seasons. We're going to start Nick Foles. Are you going to try to see if you got your first-round picks worth and give Mitch Trubisky one more shot to prove that he has what it takes to be the franchise quarterback for the Chicago Bears moving forward? Now, the Chicago Bears wide receiving core is pretty soft, is all right. It's not great, but it's not terrible. But you can also make the excuse that Mr. Bisky held back a lot of wide receivers. Now, the last team is the Detroit Lions. Now, the Detroit Lions, I already made a video about this, are the biggest boomer bust team in the NFL going into this upcoming season. And the reason why they're boomer bust is because they remind me a lot of the Cleveland Browns from last year. The Cleveland Browns had a lot of talent. But they had a couple of positions that had some question marks around them. And the biggest question mark was their head coach, which was Freddie Kitchens. And what did happen with the Cleveland Browns last year? They busted. They didn't even make it to the playoffs, and they didn't even have a winning record. Now, when you look at the Detroit Lions, they have a really great offense with Daryl Bevel as their offensive coordinator, who, when Matthew Staff was healthy, this was a top-10 offense. This was a top-10 attack. Now, the offensive line's a little bit of a question mark. Matthew Stafford is going to be coming back from his injury. How good is he going to be? And is he going to be able to live up to that same level of play that he was able to play to last year when he was playing like an MVP? You got one of the better wide receiving cores in the NFL with um, Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay. You also got TJ Hawkinson back at tight end. Then you pick up DeAndre Swift and this past year's NFL draft. And you pair him up with Carryon Johnson. So now you got a really good one-two punch there at the halfback position. Now the defense is going to determine how good the Detroit Lions are actually going to be. Because when you look at this Detroit Lions defense on paper, this is a New England Patriots caliber defense. From the defensive line being big and having a lot of elite run stoppers, having cornerbacks like Desmond Trufant who played for the Falcons, you pick up... Jeff Okuda, who a lot of people compare to Patrick Peterson. I think he's a little bit more Stephon Gilmore-like. But overall, the defense is going to determine the success of the Detroit Lions this season. So the team that I'm going with to win the NFC North is going to be the Green Bay Packers. And I think the Green Bay Packers is a safe bet because they didn't lose that much. They basically had the same team from last year. They upgraded from Blake Martinez. Still got a great defense. You still got Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. You're going to be able to run the football effectively. I think the dark horse is going to be the Detroit Lions, who should come in second place. Then you got Minnesota and Chicago, who I think ends up finishing behind the Packers and the Lions. So, like I said, the NFC North, I think, is probably only going to get one team in the playoffs. I don't think this division is all that great. I think a lot of teams have a fair good amount of questions going in. But overall, I just think the Packers should be able to win that because they do have the better quarterback. They have the best quarterback in the division, actually. And you got the best coach in the division. So when you look at that, I think Green Bay should be able to win the NFC North this year. The last division that we have to talk about in the NFC before I move on to the AFC is the NFC South. Now, the NFC South is going to be really improved this year. New Orleans won the division last year with a 13-3 record. Then you had the Buccaneers, you had the Falcons, and you had the Carolina Panthers. 
Well, now the New Orleans Saints finally have a threat in that division. They have the Tim Bay Buccaneers. Now, the Tim Bay Buccaneers bring in Tom Brady. They bring in Rock Gronkowski. They bring in Tristan Roofs, one of the best off the linemen from this upcoming draft class. So, the Tim Bay Buccaneers and New Orleans Saints are going to be neck and neck to see who's going to end up winning this division. Now, the New Orleans Saints last year were one of the best teams in the NFC. And a lot of people had high expectations for the Saints. Well, what happened? The Saints, they go in the wild card and they lose to the Minnesota Vikings. Shockingly. And nobody really saw that coming. And they really underplayed that game. And the defense, like always, folded. Now, when you look at what's happened to the New Orleans Saints in the playoffs over the last few years, they have had some really devastating losses. Some really bad losses. But Drew Brees and his New Orleans Saints team this year, they still have a really good roster. Their defense should still be top 15. The offensive line is pretty good. You got Alvin Kamara in the backfield. Still got Drew Brees, who although is getting up during age, I still think he's good enough to produce at a pretty elite level or a high level at least. You got Michael Thomas, and now you add Emmanuel Sanders. Now, Emmanuel Sanders is pretty much the biggest acquisition the Saints had this offseason. They didn't really have a lot of acquisitions. They didn't really have like a lot of big knowns for agent signings. They didn't really have a lot of notable players that they drafted in this past year's NFL draft. But they did pick up Emmanuel Sanders, who I think is a pretty big pickup for the Saints. And the reason why, a lot of people say Emmanuel Sanders is a washed-up old veteran. Emmanuel Sanders, despite him being up there in age, was the best wide receiver for the 49ers last year when the 49ers traded for him in a trade with the Denver Broncos. And Emmanuel Sanders, the Saints aren't picking up Emmanuel Sanders to be their number one. They're picking up Emmanuel Sanders to be their number two wide receiver, which is something that the New Orleans Saints have been searching for for over the last three seasons, ever since they drafted Michael Thomas, they've been looking for another wide receiver to pay a role with Michael Thomas. Now you got that Emmanuel Sanders. You also got Jared Cook. Jared Cook was really good for the New Orleans Saints down the stretch last season. So this is an offense that has a lot of weapons for Drew Brees to still be one of the better quarterbacks, at least a top 10 quarterback still in the NFL. Now, is Drew Brees regressing? Yes. Is he losing a little bit of arm strength? Yes. Is he not able to make the throws that he once was? Yes. But he's still a productive quarterback. Now, Drew Brees isn't the only quarterback in this division that's still fighting father time. You got Tom Brady. Now, Tom Brady left the New England Patriots, and he joined the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He joined the Tampa Bay Buccaneers team that really could have made it to the playoffs last year if my guy Jameis Winston wasn't turning the football over at the crazy rate that he was. Now, a lot of people think that Tom Brady isn't going to work out for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because he's washed up. I don't think that's true. A lot of people said the same thing about Peyton Manning once him and the Indianapolis Colts agreed to part ways. And we saw what happened. He won a Super Bowl with the Devil Broncos. Now, Tom Brady is walking into nearly the exact same situation. A great young defense. A good head coach in Bruce Arians. You got 
Byron Leftwich, who in my opinion was a, is one of the better young and up-and-coming offensive coordinators in the NFL. And you got probably the best supporting cast to work with when it comes to wide receiver position. You got Mike Evans, top 10 wide receiver. You got Chris Godwin, a top 15 wide receiver. Then you also got Tyler Johnson, a rookie out of Minnesota, who I really like a lot. Then you also got O.J. Howard and Rob Gontowski and Cameron Bray. You got a little bit of controversy at the half-half position. You got Ronald Jones and Keyshawn Vaughn there. But hopefully, with the improvement of the quarterback position and the offensive line getting slightly better, that back group with Tom Brady being there should be a little bit better. And the defense, really on paper, should be top 10. They had a top 10 defense last year, but it just wasn't reflected in the stats because Jameis Winston was turning the football over so much, he's putting that defense back on the field more than what they needed to be on the field, and plus he was putting them in bad field position. So you look at Tom Brady, Tom Brady being the more smarter quarterback who isn't as aggressive as Jameis Winston is going to turn the ball over as much as Jameis Winston is going to help out that defense a lot. The defense isn't going to have to get a stop on third down. Then, you know, 30 seconds later, they're coming back on the field because Jameis Winston turns the ball over. So, I think the Tim Bay Buccaneers and the New Orleans Saints are going to be competing back and forth for who ends up winning this NFC South division. Now you got the Atlanta Falcons and you got the Carolina Panthers. Now, the Atlanta Falcons is a team that has continued to disappoint me the last two seasons. Last year, I thought the Atlanta Falcons were going to go 12-4 and and end up competing for the NFC Championship. But they didn't even come close to that. Now, the first half of the season got off really rocky for the Atlanta Falcons. Now, the second half, they had a little bit of a resurgence, but it was a little bit of the case of too little, too late. Now, you look at the Atlanta Falcons. On offense, they're going to be great regardless of what happens, as long as Matt Ryan stays healthy. And hopefully the offensive line stays healthy. Because this offense has a lot of first-round picks, especially on that offensive line. Then you bring in Todd Gurley. And you trade for Hayden Hurst after you let Austin Hooper sign with the Browns in free agency. So the question isn't about the offense, it's about the defense. Now, ever since Dan Quinn has been the head coach for the Atlanta Falcons, he was a defensive-minded coach, supposedly, the Atlanta Falcons have never had a top 10 defense. Well, they have only had a top 10 defense once during Dan Quinn's tenure there as a head coach for the Atlanta Falcons. Now, you look at the Atlanta Falcons, they had a lot of key injuries last year. You lost Keanu Neal. So, I mean, Deion Jones missed a few games. So, hopefully, if everybody stays healthy, this defense can be a top 10 defense. Now, I think the Atlanta Falcons are a dark horse in this division, I think a lot of people are really sleeping on the Atlanta Falcons this year. I think the Atlanta Falcons can go 7-9 or 11-5 or 10-6. And I think they could end up getting one of those last playoff spots in the NFC. I think this is one of the few teams in the NFC that could get three teams in the playoffs in. The Saints, the Bucks, and the Falcons. The last team is the Carolina Panthers. Now, I'm not expecting a lot of the Carolina Panthers. I think the Carolina Panthers, I don't think they're going to be rebuilding. I don't think they're going to be trying to lose games and tank on purpose. But I don't think they're going to be all that great. Now, the offense, I think, is going to be a lot better than what a lot of people give them credit for. Because when you look at Joe Brady and what he did with LSU, he basically has a similar quarterback. Teddy Bridgewater has a lot of mobility. Well, not a lot of mobility, but he's pretty. he has a pretty enough 
He has a pretty good amount of athleticism to keep drives alive and extend plays. His arm isn't that that great, but he's really accurate and he's smart with the football. And you got a really good group of wide receivers. You got DJ Moore. I mean, you got Curtis Samuel. You pick up Robbie Anderson in free agency. You got Chris McCaffrey, who's able to do everything. He's the best all-purpose back in the NFL. So this is a Carolina Panthers offense that's going to be really good, but this defense is ultimately going to be the reason why the Carolina Panthers aren't going to win that many games. And I know a lot of Carolina Panthers fans are going to be upset with me about that, but there's no way you can lose Luke Keekley, not only the best middle linebacker in the NFL, but one of the best middle linebackers to ever suit up and play the game of football. You're just not going to draft the rookie and have that guy automatically come in and replace him. You lost Mario Addison. You lost James Bradbury. You got rid of Justin Reed. So the Carolina Panthers lost a lot of guys this offseason on the defense side of the football. So I don't think it's crazy to say that the Carolina Panthers defense is not going to be all that great this year. So my prediction for the team that wins the NFC South, I'm taking the Tim Bay Buccaneers. I know a lot of people say that I've been overrating the Tim Bay Buccaneers this offseason, but listen, you got Tom Brady pairing up with Bruce Aarons, and you got a good supporting cast and the top 10 defense on paper, in my opinion. The Tim Bay Buccaneers team has a lot more talent than what the New Orleans Saints have. It's not by a lot. I just like the Tim Bay Buccaneers. I think the New Orleans Saints are going to be runner-up. I think they will make it to the playoffs. Then you got the Atlanta Falcons who are going to be in third place. And I think the Carolina Panthers are going to be in fourth place. And that is the NFC South. Okay, so now we are finished with the NFC. Now we're moving on to the AFC. So let's start with the AFC West. Now the AFC West is the most intriguing and interesting division in the NFL going into this season. You got the Kansas City Chiefs, the defending Super Bowl champions. You got the Denver Broncos with Drew Locke coming off a really impressive offseason, a great draft. You got the Las Vegas Raiders, and you got the LA Chargers. Now, let's start with the Kansas City Chiefs. The Kansas City Chiefs is a team that didn't really lose all that much, to be honest. They pretty much have the same team from last season. Now, they paid Patrick Mahomes to his super mega deal contract that will keep him in Kansas City underneath center for the next 12 years. And they just recently gave a new deal to Chris Jones. So the Kansas City Chiefs are pretty much set talent-wise. Now, from a talent perspective, I think that this is still the best team in the AFC West. But I do think that the AFC West is going to give them a little bit more problems than the past few seasons. Now, with the Denver Broncos, the Denver Broncos, when they started Drew Locke, were really impressive. Drew Locke came in, won a couple of games, and exceeded a lot of people's expectations. Hell, he even exceeded my expectations. I felt Drew Locke still had a long ways to go, but Drew Locke showed a lot of promise in his first couple of starts underneath center for the Denver Broncos. Now, it looks like the Denver Broncos and John Elway finally have their quarterback of the future, and they have a good team around them. Now, they got a great wide receiving core. You got Corlin Sutton, who went to the Pro Bowl last year. 
You pick up Jerry Judy in this past year's NFL draft, which is who Denver Broncos fans wanted the most. They either wanted Jerry Judy or CeeDee Lamb. And it's crazy because a lot of people didn't even think that neither Judy or Lamb was even going to be available for the Denver Broncos to select at their pick. But it turns out with the way the draft went, they had both those guys on the board and they went with Jerry Judy, who is one of the best route runners I've seen out of a guy coming out of college and all my years watching football. Now, not only that, but you pick up KJ Hamler as well. And you got Noah Fan at tight end, who is probably pretty much the best rookie tight end in the NFL last year. Then you also get Melvin Gordon in free agency and you pair him up with Phillip Lindsay. So you got a very good one-two punch at the halfback position. So Denver, Melvin Gordon, Phillip Lindsay at halfback. You got Drew Locke at quarterback. You got Colin Sutton, Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler at the receiver position, and you got Noah Fant. Now, the question is, with Denver, the off the line. Now, I think the off the line for Denver should be pretty solid. I don't think it's going to be great, but I don't think it's going to be bad. I think it's going to be pretty solid. Now, defensively, this is going to be one of the best defenses in the NFL. Now, last year, Bradley Chubb suffered an injury. I believe if Bradley Chubb stayed fully healthy, he probably would have had 12 sacks or more in 2019. So, you got him coming back fully healthy. You pair him up with Von Miller. That's one of the best, if not the best, pass rushing duo in the NFL. Now, the secondary is a little bit of a question because you lose Chris Harris Jr., but you still got Jonathan Simmons at, say, the position. So, overall, I think this Denver Broncos team has the talent, the team, and the coaching to make it to the playoffs. And I think that they could potentially push Kansas City for the AFC West crown. Now, next up is the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, the Las Vegas Raiders is a team that I'm not really all that high on. Now, offensively, I think they're going to be really good. They had one of the best offensive lines in football last year. But the quarterback situation scares me. Even though I do think that the Raiders came with Derek Carr, I'm not really sure what bringing in Marcus Mariota is going to do. Hopefully, it pushes Derek Carr. But, I mean, I think Derek Carr is a solid starter. I think he's a top... 18 quarterback in the NFL. You can win a Super Bowl. You can make it to the playoffs and have success with Derek Carr. Now, Derek Carr didn't have a lot of weapons last year. All he really had in the passing game was Darren Waller and Tyrell Williams. Now, you bring in Nelson Aguilar, who I think is all right. Nelson Aguilar has a lot of talent. He can get open. He can create separation. He runs good routes. The thing with Nelson Aguilar says that he just can't really catch the football. But you bring him in, maybe he can resurrect his career with John Gruden and the Raiders. So you bring him in, you bring in Jason Wynn, who is pretty much in there for, I guess, veteran leadership. And you got Josh Jacobs in the backfield, who is probably going to end up being a top five or top ten back by the end of the 2020 NFL season. Now, defensively is where I have my concerns. Because with the Raiders, their defense has been their Achilles heel for the last four, three seasons. Now you bring in Corey Littleton, which I think was a very good addition. And you got Mason Crosby. Well, not Mason Crosby, but Max Crosby, who was a pleasant surprise as a rookie, who I told everybody was a sleeper coming out of the 2019 NFL draft. You got Cleveland Farrell. You got some pretty good depth up front. Now the linebacker core should be a little bit better with Corey Littleton, who is regarded as the best coverage linebacker in the NFL, but the secondary still, conf- it, it still scares me, 
I still don't really trust that secondary of the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, Jonathan Abram is coming back fully healthy because he didn't even play all that much. I believe he suffered an injury at the start of the season. So, I mean, the Las Vegas Raiders, I still have a lot of question marks when it comes to Las Vegas Raiders. Like, the Las Vegas Raiders are one of those teams that I need to see what they do on the field. But I don't really think they have all that good of a chance to win the AFC West. Do they have a chance of making it to the playoffs? Yes, but I don't think they have a chance of winning this division. The last team are the Los Angeles Chargers. Now, I've been really high on the Los Angeles Chargers this offseason. A lot higher than the majority of people and the media. A lot of people don't think the LA Chargers are going to be that good because of their quarterback situation. But I made a video two days ago about how Tyrod Taylor is a good enough quarterback to get the Chargers to the playoffs. And I still stand by that. You see, Tyrod Taylor took a Buffalo Bills team a few years ago to the playoffs that didn't make to the playoffs in a very long time. He needed one of the longest playoff droughts in the NFL. And when you look at that Buffalo Bills team that year, Tyrod took them to the playoffs, they weren't as talented as this L.A. Chargers team. This L.A. Chargers team, they have talent all around. They have a pretty good offensive line. The offensive line wasn't that great, but they addressed that in free agency and in the offseason. The wide receiving core is still good. You got Mike Williams. You got Keenan Allen. You got Hernan Henry. And you got Austin Eckler coming out of the backfield, who is also could be the third best wide receiver in certain formations, in certain situations, when he's on the field for the Los Angeles Chargers due to how good he is catching the ball out of the backfield and how good he is on out that wide as a running back. Then, you look at this defense, I think the Los Angeles Chargers are going to have the best defense in the NFL this season. You pick up Chris Harris Jr., who was one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL for over the last five seasons, and you pair him up with Duran James. You got Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa coming off the edge, rushing the passer. You got Linva Joseph up front. I mean, this Los Angeles Chargers team has a lot of talent for Tyrod Taylor to take them to the playoffs. And also, Phillip Rivers, a big reason why the L.A. Chargers underachieved last season was because Phillip Rivers just turned the football over at a very alarming rate. So, I think this L.A. Chargers team is being really slept on, and I think they are a dark horse to win this AFC West division. Now, I'm taking the Kansas City Chiefs to win this division, of course, because they still have the same team from last year. But I'm just saying that the Kansas City Chiefs aren't going to easily just run through the division this season like they have did the last couple of years. This might be the best that AFC West has been in a very long time. So I'm taking Kansas City to win this division. I think it is a good possibility that Denver could surprise some people and win it. But I think Kansas City finishes... Number one, I think the Broncos finished number two, and the Chargers finished number three. I think they potentially could tie. I think both of those teams could end up having 10-6 records or 9-7 records. And I think the Raiders finished in last place with an 8-8 record or a 7-9 record. So that's it for the AFC West. Like I said, the AFC West is the best it has been in a very long time. Very long time. The next division is the AFC North. Now, the AFC North, like the NFC West, 
is going to be competing for the title of the toughest division in the NFL this season. Now, when you look at this AFC North division, it is absolutely stacked. Now, we know how good the Ravens were last season. They were 14-2. and They had one of the best records in the NFL. The Steelers went 8-8 eight and eight without Ben Roethlisberger. With Ben Roethlisberger coming back, you have to expect that they should be at least two wins better than what they were last year. Then you got the Cleveland Browns who, once again, have a very good offseason. They approve the offensive line. And you got the Cincinnati Bengals, who I think a lot of people are really sleeping on. I think the Cincinnati Bengals could be a lot better than what a lot of people are giving them credit for. The Baltimore Ravens last season had a 14-2 record. They were projected to be the favorites to win the Super Bowl by several people and several analytics. And they lost in the divisional round in shocking fashion to the Tennessee Titans. Now, the Baltimore Ravens, oddly enough, are a better team this year than what they were last season. Now, offensively, their biggest loss was probably losing Marshall Yonda to retirement. But other than that, this is still the same offense that they had last season. Now, Marquise Brown, he should have a breakout season. I think they got a couple of guys on this offense in the receiving court that can have a breakout season. You still have one of the best tight ends in the NFL. Then you also have J.K. Dobbins and Mark Ingram as your one-two punch at the halfback position. Plus, we can't forget about Justice Hill. So you look at this Ravens team and look at what they have in the passing game for Lamar Jackson throw to. You got Mark Andrews. You got... Marquise Hollywood-Brown. You're going to have J.K. Dobbins and Mark Ingram in the backfield. So this is still going to be a really good offense. And you still have one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. Then I also think that Lamar Jackson is going to be even better than what he was last season. It's crazy to believe that. But I think that's going to be true. I think Lamar Jackson is going to continue his growth as a passer. And I think that he potentially could win NFL MVP in back-to-back seasons. Then you look at what the Ravens added defensively. They still have Matthew Judon at the time I'm recording this, although they haven't given him a long-term extension. You got Matthew Judon. You got Calais Campbell. So, I mean, you got a really good defensive line. The linebacking core is a question, but they did pick up Patrick Queen in this past year's NFL draft. And they have one of the best secondaries in the NFL with Earl Thomas, Marlon Humphrey, and Marcus Peters. So I'm going to go ahead and say it right now. Kind of going to spoil the rest of the video, but I think the Ravens, without a doubt, are going to win the AFC North. Now the question lies, who's going to finish up as the runner-up? Now you got the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now the Pittsburgh Steelers really surprised a lot of people with the fact that they were still able to somewhat be competitive and still were in the playoff race until the final week, week 17, without Ben Roethlisberger. You had Mason Rudolph at quarterback. You had Devlin Dog Hodges at quarterback, who started the season out on the practice squad, by the way. You got James Conner, who missed several games due to injury. You had Drew Smith-Schuster, who not, over, who not only just underperformed, but he also missed a good stretch of the season. Then you had a couple of guys on defense who went missing due to injuries. So the Steelers, 
the fact that they were able to go 8-8 eight and eight with what they had to deal with last season was really impressive. Now this season, they come back fully healthy. Ben Rosberg is coming back from his season-ending injury. People still have concerns and questions of how good Ben Rosberger is. A lot of people think that Ben Rosberger is going to regress and that he's not going to be all that great. Now, although I do think Big Ben has regressed over the last few seasons, I don't think Big Ben is going to regress that bad to the point that he's no worthy of being a starter no no more in the NFL. I think that Big Ben is going to be good enough to take the Steelers to the playoffs and win at least 10 games, and he should win comeback player of the year. And when you look at the weapons that Big Ben is going to be throwing to, this is probably the best, most talented offense that the Steelers have had since 2014. And 2014 and 2015 offenses were really impressive. But I mean, you got Juju Smith-Schuster coming back. With Big Ben back, he should improve, and he's in the contract year. You can go ahead and move Juju Smith-Schuster back to slot with Deontay Johnson because Deontay Johnson was the best player that the Steelers had on the offensive side of football as a rookie. And he wasn't even fully healthy. So with Deontay Johnson, I think Deontay Johnson is good enough to be your number one wide receiver. And you can go ahead and move Juju Smith-Schuster back to slot if you want to. Or you can keep Juju as your number two option. Let him remain your outside wide receiver and move a guy like James Washington to the slot. James Washington also had a pretty good year as well. You also got Deion Kane, who although he didn't have a lot of playing time, he doesn't really have great numbers for the Steelers based on last season. In a few games and a few plays that he did have, he had some really nice moments. You also pick up Eric Ebron, who the last time we saw Eric Ebron with a lead quarterback with Andrew Luck, he was an all-pro. Then you also got Vex McDonald. You still got... One of the best offensive lines in the NFL. You got James Conner. You got Benny Snell. You got Jalen Samuels. You got Anthony McFarlane. So, I mean, this is a really stacked offense that the Pittsburgh Steelers have. And you got Chase Claypool, who I think is going to have a little bit of an impact as a rookie. And the defense, their biggest loss on defense was Javon Hargrave. And Javon Hargrave was only just a really good run stopper. Although last season he did improve his skills as a pass rusher, but predominantly I think he was just really good against the run. So this is basically the same defense last year that the Steelers have that was the best defense in the NFL. They had three pro bowlers. Cam Hayward, Minka Fitzpatrick, and TJ Watt who got robbed for defensive player of the year. Now the Cleveland Browns, I mean, this is still a very good team. Last year, they had a very good team. But a big reason why the Browns underachieved and didn't make the applause was because of coaching. And Baker Mayfield had a sophomore slump. Now, Freddie Kitchens wasn't a great coach. Like we saw, he didn't even know how to get Odell back on the ball. And he didn't know how to manage all the personalities in the town that the Cleveland Browns had. Well, now you bring in Kevin Stefanski, who basically likes to run, run, run the ball, and then throw the ball when need be on third down situations with play action. And Baker Mayfield is one of the best quarterbacks when he is in play action situations. So Baker Mayfield being good when play action is called, having Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry to throw to, having Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt in the backfield, and having an improved offensive line with Dredrick Willis and 
one of my favorite offensive linemen in the NFL, Jack Coughlin. So, I mean, this offensive line should be really improved. Now, the defense, I still have some questions about. Gritty Williams kind of struggled as a rookie. And Denzel Ward, I mean, is still a really good cornerback, but can he stay healthy? And the safety position is a little bit of a concern, too. So, overall, this is a Cleveland Browns team that should make it to the playoffs. And the last team is the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, the Cincinnati Bengals, I think, are going to be a lot better than what a lot of people expect them to be. Now, are they going to make it to the playoffs? I don't think so, but I do think they have the potential to be 7-9, maybe 8-8. Eight and eight. Now, I know the offensive line isn't ideal, but if the offensive line is at least average, I think they can win some games. The defensive line and the defense is going to be really good. They have one of the best defensive lines in football. You bring in DJ Reader, who is one of the best run stoppers in the NFL from the Houston Texans free agency. You got Geno Atkins, who has been one of the more underrated players in the NFL the past decade. You got Carlos Dunlap. You got Sam Hubbard, who's coming off a breakout season. You got Jesse Bates and Von Bell at the safe positions. So if the linebacker position is just average, and that's what the Cincinnati Bengals need because their linebacker play has been below average or not even that worse so the linebacker position improves. This defense could be potentially top 10, top 15 at worst. Now the offense, like I said, the offensive line is a question. But other than that, the skill position is solid. Like Joel Burrow has talent. He has players around him to be successful. You got A.J. Green playing on the franchise tag. You got Tyler Boyd, who has been one of the more underrated wide receivers the last two seasons. You got Joe Mixon, who are, who has ran for 1,000 yards to, in back-to-back seasons behind one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. You also got T. Higgins. So, I mean, this Cincinnati Bengals team has some talent. Now, like I said, I'm taking the Baltimore Ravens to win this division I think Pittsburgh finishes number two, and I think the Cleveland Browns finish number three. And I think all three of those teams have the potential to all make it to the playoffs. The AFC South. The AFC South, for a good while, has probably been one of the worst divisions in the NFL. Now... This year, I think probably they still get two teams in the playoffs. You got the Houston Texans, who have won the division for the majority of the last couple of seasons. You got the Tennessee Titans, who had that Cinderella run in the playoffs. Was last season a fluke, or can they keep up the consistency? You got the Indianapolis Colts, and you got the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, the Houston Texans have lost a pretty good bit this offseason. You lost DJ Reader, who was one of the best run stoppers in the NFL, who signed with the Cincinnati Bengals. And you lost DeAndre Hopkins in the trade with the Arizona Cardinals that you basically got robbed in exchange for a mid-round selection and David Johnson at halfback, who has one of the worst contracts in the NFL and can't stay healthy. Now, Houston's offensive line still doesn't look all that improved to me. I don't think the offensive line is going to be that great. I think Deshaun Watson, once again, is going to be playing street ball and is going to have to be a magician and is going to still have to carry the Houston Texans to the playoffs if Houston even makes it to the playoffs. Now, you bring in Brandon Cooks, you bring in Randall Cobb, 
You still got Kenny Stills whenever he gets free from being arrested. And you got Kiki QT. Now, I think the Houston Texans wide receiving core is a little bit underrated. A lot of people think that just because DeAndre Hopkins got traded that the Houston Texans wide receiving core is absolutely terrible. And that's not the case. This wide receiving core with Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks, when he's, when he's able to stay healthy, has had 1,000-yard seasons. Like, ever since he got drafted, after his rookie season, he has had a 1,000-yard season every single year prior to last year. The only reason he didn't have a 1,000-yard season last year was because he battled concussions and he battled ankle injuries, I believe. So Brandon Cook stays healthy. Without a doubt, he's going to be a 1,000-yard receiver. He's one of the best deep threats in the NFL. You also got Kenny Stills, who was a really good part of the Houston Texans offense last season. Then you got Randall Cobb. So you also got Kiki QT as well. So the receiving position for the Houston Texans is the least of their problems. The off the line is the main concern. And with the off the line being as bad as what it was last season, you're hoping that Deshaun Watson can just have a slight improvement over off the line compared to what he has had his last few seasons playing quarterback for the Texans. Now you got David Johnson in the backfield. Now look, a lot of Texans fans aren't really all that high on David Johnson, but I believe that David Johnson, if he stays healthy, should have a very successful season. He should at least be a pro bowler because look, if Carlos Hyde was able to rush for 1,000 yards behind the Houston Texans off the line, then I think David Johnson is capable of having 1,000 yards and then some. And a lot of people forget that David Johnson is a really good halfback. Like, he can do it everything. Like, he, this guy was a former All-Pro. He was in the same category, in the same breath as Le'Veon Bell in terms of being able to line up and be your second-best wide receiver on the field in certain situations. So I think that David Johnson is being a little bit slept on. As long as he stays healthy, I think he can be a really good piece. But this defense, once again, concerns me. And on paper, this defense didn't really get better. This defense got worse. Like I said, you lost DJ Reader, who is your best run stopper. And your secondary still isn't all that great, aside from having Justin Reed back there. So the Houston Texans, I don't really know about their chances when it comes to winning this division this year. Now, the Tennessee Titans, a lot of people think that the Tennessee Titans are Super Bowl contenders, and some people think that they are a fluke. Well, I think that the Tennessee Titans are legitimately playoff contenders. I don't think that last season was a fluke. Derrick Henry just got his contract extension the time I'm recording this, and Ryan Tannehill got his contract extension a couple of months ago at the start of all season. Then you look at A.J. Brown, you got... A very solid off the line, and you got a pretty good defense. So I look at the Tennessee Titans. I think the Tennessee Titans are being a little bit slept on. I think the Tennessee Titans have a really good chance of winning this division this year, and they're really good uh, when it comes to having a good coaching staff. Like what that coaching staff was able to do, what Mike Vrabel was able to do to stop the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson was incredible. What they did versus the New England Patriots was incredible. Now, offensively, they may not be one of the most fun teams to watch because all they really do is run the football and throw the football with play action when they need to. But, I mean, Ryan Tannehill had a couple of big games last year when the running game wasn't able to get going. Ryan Tannehill stepped up and made some big plays for the Tennessee Titans when they needed them to. So, I mean, I think the Tennessee Titans team is pretty much the favorite to win this division. 
Now, the Indianapolis Colts are another team that a lot of people are really high on. Now, I think the Indianapolis Colts are one of the more overrated teams going into this season because a lot of people keep saying that they're Super Bowl contenders, but I don't think they're Super Bowl contenders. I think they should make it to the playoffs, but I don't think this is a Super Bowl capable roster. They do have a pretty good defense. They picked up DeForest Buckner in a trade with the San Francisco 49ers. They've been looking for a good interior pass rusher for the last few seasons, and they finally got that. So this defense should be really good. But offensively, once they get inside the playoffs, I don't think they're going to make it that far. Because Phillip Rivers, we still don't know about him. Like We're just hoping that he has a bounce-back season since he is playing with Frank Wright, a guy who he's had success with in the past. But we don't really know if Phillip Rivers may regress. Because last season for the LA Chargers was terrible. Now, one thing that Phillip Rivers does have is that he's playing behind the best offensive line in football, and he's playing behind the best offensive line that he probably has ever played behind in his whole entire career as an NFL starter. He also has T.Y. Hilton, who has been the most underrated player in the NFL this past decade. And you got Michael Pittman. You also got Paris Campbell. So he has some weapons to work with, and he has a really good coaching staff. So the Indianapolis Colts are another team that has a really good shot at winning the AFC South. Now... You got the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, the Jacksonville Jaguars is a team that a lot of people believe are tanking for Trevor Lawrence. I don't think the Jacksonville Jaguars are necessarily tanking, but I don't think they're going to be all that great. Now, offensively, I'm really excited to see. They bring in Jake Gruden as the offensive coordinator. You got LaVisco Chanel in the draft, and you pair him up with DJ Chark and D.D. Westbrook, and you got Gardner Minshew at quarterback and Leonard Fournette. Now, Gardner Minshew was really good as a rookie. He had one of the best touchdown-interception ratios in the NFL as a rookie, and he was the second-best rookie quarterback from that draft class behind Kyler Murray. Now, it still remains to be seen if Gardner Minshew is the franchise quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars moving forward, but with this wide receiving core, this wide receiving core was on fire the first half of the season. What messed up this offense and what messed up the chemistry is when they try to reinsert Nick Foles back into the starting lineup and didn't really all go all that well. So this is an offense that has a lot of talent. The offensive line is a little bit of a question. Now the defense, on the other hand, have a lot of concerns about the defense. There's no way you can lose Jalen Ramsey, Calais Campbell, some of your best players on the defense side of the football, and still say you're going to have a great defense. So I don't think Jacksonville Jaguars are really going to be all that great. Now, are they going to take for Trevor Lawrence? I don't think so. Now, the team I'm taking to win this division, I'm taking the Tennessee Titans. They have a good coaching staff. They have the best division. Well, they have the best defense in this division. I think Phillip Rivers should have a bounce back season, and they have the best offensive line in football. Well, not the best offensive line in football, but one of the best, if not the best, run blocking offensive line and football. Then, you got the Indianapolis Colts. I think the Indianapolis Colts are also a team that finishes runner-up behind the Tennessee Titans, but makes it to the playoffs. Now, I don't think Houston's going to make it to the playoffs, not because they lost DeAndre Hopkins, but I don't think they make it to the playoffs just for the fact that Deshaun Watson has been carrying them for so long. And I wonder, eventually, if the lack of coaching And not having a great coaching staff is going to catch up to the Houston Texans on top of not having a great defense. 
So I think that the Tennessee Titans win the division. I think Indianapolis ends up being the runner-up. And both of those two teams make it to the playoffs. And I think that the Houston Texans and both the Jacksonville Jaguars missed the playoffs this season. So the last division that I have to talk about is the AFC East. Now the AFC East is a division that a lot of people are really interested in seeing play out this season. Because you got the Buffalo Bills who are the favorites to win this division. You got the New England Patriots. You got the New York Jets. And you got the Miami Dolphins. So let's start with the New England Patriots. I think a lot of people are really sleeping on the New England Patriots. A lot of people think just because they lost Tom Brady that the New England Patriots ran the dominance on the AFC East is over. And I think that is really disrespectful. I don't know if it's more disrespectful. The fact that people don't think that Bill Belichick is a good enough coach for the Patriots to even be competitive despite having the toughest schedule in the NFL or the fact that people think that the New England Patriots are going to tank for Trevor Lawrence. The New England Patriots are one of the best franchises, not only in the NFL, but in sports. They are the gold standard of how you run a successful franchise. So if you think for one second that the New England Patriots are going to tank for Trevor Lawrence, I think you need to reassess your thinking. Because that's not what great franchises do. Grand franchises are okay with letting great players like Tom Brady walk away because they have that mentality that everybody can be replaced. And Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots front office and coaching staff has had that mentality for a while. The only difference is that they use that mentality with their best player in Tom Brady and they were okay and let him walk away. So the fact that people don't think that the New England Patriots are even going to be competitive this year or that they're going to be taken for Trevor Lawrence, it's ridiculous. You think a franchise as good as the New England Patriots is going to risk all their eggs in one basket on a guy who's never played a snap in the NFL? For all we know, Trevor Lawrence can be a great college quarterback, but he could be a bust in the NFL. I think that's ridiculous. A lot of people say that the New England Patriots don't have a lot of talent. The New England Patriots are one of those teams that you simply, you don't predict how good they're going to be based on the talent that they have in the roster. Because you can make the argument for over the last three seasons that the New England Patriots haven't had a top 15 roster in a very long time. The New England Patriots don't win games because of the players that they have in the roster. They win games because of being very well coached, paying attention to details, and being disciplined. They beat you by the small things. You could make the argument to say that the Rams were going to beat the Patriots because the Rams were the more talented team. And that's a narrative going into that Super Bowl a couple of years ago that the Patriots had no chance against the Rams. The Rams had the innovative, young, offensive-minded head coach. They had a younger team with a lot of talent, and they were just more talented. But what happened? New England went to that Super Bowl, and they upset the Rams, and they stopped the best offense in the NFL. So, I mean... That should be an indicator that the New England Patriots don't win games based on talent. They win games based on coaching. Then a lot of people are dying Cam Newton. Like, a lot of people keep saying that the Patriots aren't getting the same Cam Newton from 2015. The Patriots don't need Cam Newton from 2015. If you need your quarterback to be Superman, that just means that you don't have a great coaching staff. If Cam Newton can go to the Super Bowl with Ted Ginn being his best wide receiver, I'm pretty sure he can go to the Super Bowl with Julian Edelman, Nikhil Harry, Muhammad Sanu. Sony Michelle and James White in the backfield. 
He also has a pretty good offensive line. This is probably the best offensive line that Cam Newton has ever played with in his whole entire NFL career and the best coaching staff that Cam Newton has ever played in his entire NFL career. He also has one of the best defenses in the NFL. So I think a lot of people are really counting out the New England Patriots this season. Next up, we got the Buffalo Bills. Now the Buffalo Bills is a team that is really good going into this year, at least on paper. I mean, the offensive line should be improved. They finally got that number one wide receiver that they've been looking for for a while, and Stephon Diggs. And you pair him up with John Brown, who John Brown wasn't even that bad as the Buffalo Bills number one last season. So you got Stephon Diggs and John Brown. You got a pretty good group of halfbacks. You got my guy Zach Moss and Devin Singletary at the halfback position, and you got Josh Allen. Now, a lot of people really hate on Josh Allen just because Josh Allen isn't the flashiest quarterback when it comes to throwing the football. But listen, Josh Allen, a lot of people just need to accept the fact that Josh Allen isn't going to be a quarterback that consistently completes over 60% of his passes on a year-in-a-year-out basis. He's going to have some seasons that he completes 62%, 63% of his passes. Then he's going to have the majority of his seasons where he completes less than 60% of his passes. But that doesn't mean... He isn't going to be a good quarterback. You don't need to be a good quarterback to complete over 60% of your passes. You just need to be able to win games, and that's what Josh Allen is able to do. And a lot of people don't even take into account of how great of an athlete that Josh Allen is. A lot of people talk about Josh Allen running the football. Hell, Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson run the football just as much. I mean, you we talk about Lamar Jackson and all the highlight reel runs he has. Josh Allen has just as many highlight reel runs as Lamar Jackson. So, I mean, Josh Allen, I think, is a good enough quarterback to win games for the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills also have a really good defense. They have one of the best defenses in the NFL as well. So, I mean, the Buffalo Bills and the New England Patriots are both going to be jockeying to see who ends up winning the AFC East this season. And I'm really interested in seeing how it plays out. Now, the next two teams you have, you have the New York Jets and you have the Miami Dolphins. So let me get the New York Jets out of the way. The New York Jets went 79 last season in 2019. Sam Donald missed the first part of the season due to having mono. So they basically had Luke Falk playing quarterback. And that was a disaster because they could barely move the ball on offense. So the offensive line should be a little bit better. They brought in Makai Beckton with their first round selection. Then you bring in Denzel Mims. Now, me personally, I'm not high on the New York Jets. I don't think Adam Gase... It's the right coach for the New York Jets. I think Adam Gase is the most overrated head coach maybe in NFL history. Because aside from that one lone playoff appearance that he has with the Miami Dolphins, what has he done as an NFL head coach? So you look at Adam Gase, not really all that great in the locker room, not really great with the media, and he wasn't really able to adjust that New York Jets offense. With the New York Jets off the line struggling, I feel Adam Gates could have did more to put Sam Donald in better situations to be successful. Now, a lot of people don't think Sam Donald's all that great, but I think Sam Donald's being held back by the New York Jets coaching staff. I think that Sam Donald's being held back by Adam Gates. And the defense had a lot of injuries, but even then, the defense without Jamal Adams, if they do trade Jamal Adams, they're going to be in a lot of trouble. Because Jamal Adams, not only was he their best defensive back, but he also played linebacker. He also was their best tackler at at certain points. He was their best defensive back, their best coverage guy, their best tackler, and one of their best pass rushers on the team with C.J. Mosley not being there. 
So, I mean, the New York Jets, I'm not really all that high on the New York Jets this season. I think the New York Jets are really overrated. Like, I don't get what a lot of people see in the New York Jets for them to be like a playoff team or something like that. I think they're really overrated. I don't think the New York Jets are going to be that good. Now, you got the Miami Dolphins. Now, the Miami Dolphins are one of the most improved teams. I'm not even going to say one of the most. I'm going to say the Miami Dolphins are the most improved team going into this year's NFL season. You got Byron Jones, you pair him up with Xavier Howard. Now you got the best one-two punch at the quarterback position in the NFL. You got Calvin Noah in free agency. You also got Curtis Weaver, who I feel was one of the more underrated players in this past year's draft class. So, I mean, this Miami Dolphins defense is going to be really good. Then the offense, the offensive line is a big problem that I have because Although the off the line brought in a lot of young guys, those guys are really young and they're really inexperienced. So I still think this Miami Dolphins off the line, although they may be a tad bit better than what they were last season, I still think they're going to struggle. Now, you bring in Matt Breida from the San Francisco 49ers and Jordan Howard. So, I mean, the running back group is better than what it was last season. And you drive to a Tagovailoa. Will he be able to start week one with the whole pandemic that's going on? Over Ryan Fitzpatrick, if we have an NFL training camp, that will remain to be decided. But the wide receiving core is pretty good as well. You got Devontae Parker, who had a career-saving year. And you got Allen Hearns. You also got a couple of other guys as well. So, I mean, the Miami Dolphins are really improved. But the team I'm taking to win this division, I'm still going to take the New England Patriots to win this division. As crazy as it sounds, I think New England is still going to remain the king of the AFC East. And I know a lot of Buffalo Bills fans are going to be upset with that, but look, like Ric Flair used to say, to be the man, you have to beat the man. And the Buffalo Bills have yet to beat the New England Patriots yet. So until I see the Buffalo Bills completely beat the New England Patriots, I'm going to take New England to win this division. I think New England has a lot of motivation I think Bill Belichick, not only is he motivated to prove that he can win without Tom Brady, but Cam Newton is motivated to prove that he still has what it takes to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. So I'm taking the New England Patriots to win the division this season in the AFC East. 